Hello, and welcome to Optimizing Human Potential, Mind, Body, and Soul, brought to you by the Holistic Therapies Directory. I'm Nicole Cruz, super busy mommy coach, helping busy parents reach high levels of fitness and health despite being sleep deprived and interrupted every two minutes. And I'm John Kempf, functional strength and nutrition coach and yoga instructor. I teach people a scientific approach to improving their health and their performance using fitness, nutrition, and mindfulness. And today, our guest is the author of Shame on Me, Healing a Life of Shame-Based Thinking. His name is John Dunya. The book is about his own experience of how he learned to overcome one of the biggest challenges that everyone faces, and more importantly, how to heal from past abuses and difficulties. He's dedicated to educating people about shame through his articles, as well as coaching and speaking. Welcome, John Dunya. We got two Johns on today. Thank you, Nicole. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. Thanks for asking. I'm really excited about uh, being a part of your, your podcast today. Well, thank you. We are delighted to have you here. Uh, so tell us your backstory. How did you become the shame doctor? Well, in 2011, my 22-year marriage uh, started to fall apart. It hit a hurdle that we weren't able to overcome. So about a year after that, I... I was fortunate to find a therapist because I had to figure out what was wrong. You know, after 22 years for it just to fall apart like that, something was, was definitely wrong. And I was dedicated to finding out what it was. And so I started uh, going to, to visit this therapist. And in about seven months, I finally realized that all the difficulties that I had were based on the fact of the negative ideas, the negative thoughts that I believed about who I was, which is basically my definition for shame. And it was, it was really one of those light bulb moments where at 53 years old, it's like, wow, I can't believe that all this time I was searching for other reasons for my failures or not quite successes. Sure, you have some, but you think, I'm not reaching my potential. Why isn't somebody seeing that and figuring it out? And then I realized at that moment, wow, it was, it was me who was my own worst enemy in, in a lot of occasions. And um, I, I, I take my sessions. I would listen to them over and over. I, I was doing journaling. I was doing all kinds of things. And, and things were going really well. And then uh, my therapist said, you know, John, there's millions of men who really would like to hear your story. And since you like to write, you might want to consider writing a book. Uh, I do enjoy writing. In fact, I, I continue now writing articles on a, on a weekly basis. But, but a book was a pretty big challenge for me. I wasn't sure if I had the, the pa patience to handle all that. <laughs> I did. I, I set out and in, uh, I completed it on Christmas Day 2015. And what that book did was it helped me sort of formulate, it helped me outline the whole, the whole process. Before, you, you just kind of evolve and develop with it. But I really wasn't studying it and understanding why it all happened. And when I finished, I felt like I, I wanted people to read it, sure, but I also wanted to start helping people. I mean, I've always, I've been a coach, a sports coach. In, in my earlier life, and I've always been interested in helping people, but here was something that really, really inspired me, and what I wanted to do was heal people from their shame, and so for me, the perfect term for that was the shame doctor, and that's, that's what I've uh, sort of glossed myself with and uh, moving forward. Brilliant, man. I love <laughs> it, John. Mm -hmm. Catchy for sure. So you mentioned a little bit what your definition for shame is, but I'm sure some people listening are wondering, well, isn't it sometimes good if we, you know, evaluate ourselves and notice where, when we've made a mistake? And so I was wondering if you could touch on that. That's an excellent question, Nicole, because when I work with people individually, one-on-one, -on -one, my first quest or my first task for them is understanding its meaning because a lot of times when you ask people divine shame what does it mean to be ashamed or feel shame and people say well it's sort of a guilty feeling and the word guilt is often used in there and 
I, w- I want to make sure that people first understand the distinction between guilt and shame, because there is a really fine difference. And for me, it's important to understand that distinction in order to really create your healing. The reason it's so difficult is because emotionally, or maybe physically, I should say, we process them the same way. When we feel shame, when we feel guilt, we have that, like for me, I have a butterfly in my stomach or a, a feeling that I want to sort of crawl on a hole. Other people, maybe when they get that kind of feeling, they might, they might want to eat or something like that. Who knows? But however you process the feelings of guilt, you also physically process them the same way with shame. That's why we combine them so often. But what I tell people, the basic difference is guilt is typically, now again, this is a roundabout sort of a generalized discussion, and I'm sure some people may disagree, but for, for the purposes of our own healing and growth, how I define it is guilt is when we make a bad choice, a bad decision, or we make a mistake. We feel badly for that. Maybe I yelled at somebody and I go, man, I really made him feel bad. So I feel horrible about that decision. So in some ways, guilt, when in the future, I got to remember, next time I'm talking to Nicole, I can't yell at her because you see how bad that made her feel, made me feel. So the guilt can be sort of a moral compass to help us change our behavior. Where shame says, you know why I yelled at Nicole? Because I'm a horrible person. I'm dumb or I'm stupid or whatever lie we, we've been told that we want to believe about ourselves. And, and so the reason I yelled at Nicole, because I'm a bad person. When we, when, when we experience that and process that as shame, it can't change because we're saying I'm a bad person. It's a fact. You know, the sun rises in the east. We don't change that. We don't wake up and say, you know, the sun's going to rise in the south this morning. No, it's a fact. Facts don't change. When I'm ashamed of myself, I take that, that meaning is I'm not good enough or I'm not whatever, again, word we want to use, and it won't change because that's what we believe. And basically, those are lies. There are things that people have been told to us for all kinds of reasons. It doesn't matter at this point, but we believe them because it might be our parents, it might be our teacher, it might be our, our, our pastor, whoever. But these people whom we trust tell us these things. Why else? We, we have to believe them because they're right about everything else. And so the basic difference between shame is that we bring it on ourselves. And guilt is something that we, we made a mistake and we're, we want to do something about changing our future behaviors. Hmm. So how did this play out with your story? Um, that's... That's another really, that's sort of a, sort of a, a long answer. And I'll try to keep it very, very short. My, I, as I had mentioned earlier, I, I always could see my potential, but it was sort of like, why do, doesn't people see this? Why doesn't somebody who owned the business see the kind of person I am and dynamic and I can meet with people? And, 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 but I, so I was always looking because the truth of the matter was I never really felt significant enough. When, when I was younger, I was, I was part of, of a, re, a religion and I wanted to do the will of God or whatever it was. But for some reason, I was always looking for other people to find out what that was because there was some underlying reason that God wasn't going, I wasn't worthy enough or whatever the case, whatever, whatever excuse I want, I couldn't get that information and I couldn't get that answer directly, I had to find it and seek it out of somebody else. So basically what I was doing was not acting how I, how others would expect me to act or told me to act. Rather, it was, I was going to act how I thought they would react that I was doing the right thing. It just, it, it's, it's uh, to, to try to, to try to put that in one little little answer it's it's a it's long and drawn out but basically the the it's it's i i sold myself short because i wasn't worthy i was told i wasn't worthy on so many levels and so many answers that my success depended on on with somebody else becoming a part of it there's an old parable that reminds me of that and essentially uh, kind of sums up that point. But uh, it's, you are not who you think you are. You are not who they think you are. You are who you think they think you are. So you create your identity based on these assumptions, moral 
truths or values, whatever, you know, and different from culture to culture depends where you're raised, that behavioral conditioning will shape those beliefs, but it sets you, you know, on this other side of the fence when you create that projection of expectation. Yeah, that's very, very true. And the interesting thing is when, when people talk about, I, you know, be who you are, you know, just don't, and don't let anything hold you back. I have a little bit different take on that. And it was kind of inspired. There was a, there was a documentary about Whitney Houston. Why can't I be me? And the truth of the matter, even is, even when we're not me, we, we, our actions still dictate that's who we are. But for me, it's not so much important about being who we are. It's about being the best version, about constantly getting a better understanding of who we are. Because, it, yeah, it's fine to be in the moment who you are. But it's the more important thing for me is to find our potential, just to become better at what we're doing. I think, you know, people do this in their, in their work or athletes. They're constantly striving to be better. Coaches, how can I be better coaches? It's the same way with our personal life. How can I be a better version of John Dunya and just not say, well, this is who I am. If you don't accept it, then that's your problem. Honestly, I think it's the person who said it more than the other people because, yes, we want to be who we are, but more importantly, we want to continue seeking who the better version of, of who we are is. Yeah, like self-actualization, optimizing human potential. There you go. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you mentioned that you went to a therapist to heal, but internally you had this epiphany that shame was the source of a lot of your problems. And then how did you go about, besides just going to the therapist internally, how did you go about processing that and healing from it? Well, healing was a, was a second, secondary step because that didn't occur until the, the realization came. I was so hyper aware of this whole this new concept i remember i remember it was february 22nd 2013 is when the lights really came on i remember thinking oh i see it's me and how i think about myself that's the real problem so when i left that session to go home i was so hyper aware everything i did at the moment i asked am i doing this because of shame i mean i i am not kidding you nicole i was getting in my car driving home I, I'm going to turn right. Is that because of shame? Well, no, it's the way I'm going home. Okay, I'm, it's late. I'm hungry. Should I, should I go home and cook a meal or should I stop? Is, is, is that shame? Is, is shame cancer? I mean, everything I did. Now, I'm not saying that if I'm going to drink my cup of coffee, that shame caused me to do that. But what I'm saying it is, is that it had so much of my life. And so I, that's the way I became aware of it. I, uh, so when I, when I saw that extent, then it was time to, to understand how do I heal that? And th that process was, it was a combination of obviously speaking with my therapist, because what, what the therapist does is, is he sort of illuminates the issue, but I think a good therapist never says, look, John, you know what your problem is, or even a good coach, you know what your problem is, because it doesn't matter how right the therapist or the coach is. Mm -hmm. whose issue it is doesn't get it doesn't matter mm -hmm. it could be spot on i could have the gift of telling everybody on this planet what their issue is but it wouldn't matter if the person i'm talking to doesn't get it mm -hmm. so with that where the healing came from and again this is another this is another issue that i i don't always like to start with it without understanding the background because People can understand it and listen to it or hear it the wrong way. But the healing really started when I was able to forgive myself for believing all of that shame. And I, and I know we, all, we hear a lot about forgiveness, and that's another one of my, of my issues because people say, how important is we, if we don't forgive others, we can't move on or all these, these kinds of things. And, and I, I, I am not a mental health expert. My, all of my experience comes from my own experience. But 
when, when I was able to heal myself because I understood that I was the problem, that my thinking was the problem, that is what I like when, when people say, how do you let it go? That's the best step. When you can forgive yourself for these things. When you can say, you know what, John, when you were 13 years old and somebody who you thought was literally the oracle of God, that every word that came out of his mouth was, was actually God speaking, and he was just the, the instrument. When, when that person tells you that you're wrong and you were trying to do something, you had every, every right to believe that. It was no close. It was, it was so far from the truth, but I believed it. And so that was shame. How I healed that was not forgiving the man who told me that. He was already dead anyways. And, and he probably wouldn't have accepted my forgiveness. But the, with a healing start, when I was able to forgive myself for believing all what he told me. I mean, you got to admit, if, if God were to materialize and say, you know what, John, you are, guilt, you, you, you are guilty of this. How could you not believe it? That's exactly how I was in that moment. Mm -hmm. But again, the healing began when I was able to be to get to the point where I could forgive me for believing the lies. Mm -hmm. and, and then it sort of has evolved from there. Wow. That's powerful. Thank you. Thank you. And so in your work with others, what are some ways you see shame popping up in other people's lives, you know, maybe so that we can get an idea of how we might identify it in our own lives. What are the variety of ways it can manifest? How much time do you have, Nicole? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think just about everybody has had an experience in their life at one time or another that I'm no good. I'm not smart. I'm too short. I'm ugly. Whatever. I'm I should have done that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a bad person for doing yeah. that. Yeah. And, and honestly, that's the biggest issue with abuse. People who are, who, as children, say, what did I do to deserve that? Why is God punishing me? Well, I must be a horrible person. And the abuse actually is multiplied by those lies that we've told ourselves. Believe me, it's horrible. It's, I'm, not, I'm not excusing any part of it, but a lot of the damage emotionally comes from that whole idea of, boy, I must be a bad person. That's why God or whoever or whomever or whatever is allowing this to happen. So that's, that's the way I, I normally start. Now, my, when I work with people, I try never to say that's shame if somebody asked me you know what John I did this do you think that was shame so my my answer is typically let me tell you how I would process that if I did what you did right or in your shoes and I would start saying certain way yeah I acted that way because I told myself and people would say yeah you know what you're right and I'm like no 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 I'm not saying that's what you did I'm saying that's how I would do it if I were in your shoes and I'd continue until they finally object and say, no, John, you're right. That's exactly what I did. Because I, I, I want people not only to get it, but I want to stop them and say, are you sure you got it? I'm not quite sure. And no, no, I do get it. Because that's, that's what's important. You hear people all the time will say stuff, and, and you can be inspired by it, and you can do this. But until you really grasp it and make it a part of, of you and your belief, it's, it's, you're going to hear it and inspire it, and then that inspiration is going to fade away, and then who knows how it's going to affect you. But when you can take something and own it and say, yeah, you know what? I did that. I see how shame was, was my roadblock. I see how it stifled me, how it handcuffed me and wouldn't let me go. And the interesting part is I talk about shame a lot as though it's a separate entity, so it's not who we are. I, I used the example of, you know, those commercials where there's a devil on one shoulder and an angel here, and this one's trying to get you to do the right thing, and this one's trying to get you to do the bad thing. Well, shame is like there's a devil here, but there's no, nothing here. And so it's constantly telling you, do this, do this, do this. 
in some ways it, it feels like a different entity, but it's not. It's who you are. The reason it is is because it's told you all these things, these lies about who you are. Now you're trying to change that, and it's just it's not a normal, natural reaction. That's why it feels like it's something else that's trying to get you to do this when it, in, in reality, technically, it is ourselves who are, beating, who are the one beating ourselves up. Yeah, and the reconditioning process is the hardest part. It's not the learning of the new skill. It's the unlearning of the old skill or the Definitely. old thoughts, the old patterns. And yeah, you know, like you want to go on a diet and that, no, you don't, you fatty, you know, like on your <laughs> shoulder, you know, whatever it is. Like you, you, that's not you. That's not what you do because based on your past experiences, the memories that you've accumulated associated with the negative emotions of that experience at what from what you perceived at that point in time because you can go back in the future and be like oh it's part of the growth process it's all good no big deal you handle it in a different way but then that negative emotional association creates that identity with that experience the ego that then is like you suck you suck you suck you suck yeah. so like what you said too is so important you know it's like it's not about not doing you know shameful things per se or reprimanding yourself for the shame, but just focusing the attention on the positive, on the things that are good, the things that you're grateful for to shift that mindset away from the bad, 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 bad. And, you know, conscious to unconscious, it takes time for those, you know, the, the, the key word that this is what really inspired me of, of that is integration, essentially, is like you were saying, you can hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it. But it takes time and application. And that's like such a big part of what this podcast is about is creating strategies for people that easily apply that allows this stuff to digest and ruminate and then be integrated. And then that's that experiential learning process where it doesn't become something that they think is true. They know it's true through that experience of rewiring their brain. And and I've sort of come up with a, I, I call them techniques because I, I don't know what else to say for uh, in terms of healing because one of the biggest issues for people when they do experience some sort of healing or growth, like let's say, hey, I overcame shame and then the next day something happens and shame, shame overtakes them and they're like, oh, I guess I, I guess I didn't really do that. And so we have an experience and then we have something that takes that away. And, but that's only natural because in my case, I was 53. I've been doing these actions for 50 years, just saying, you know what, I'm going to change that right now. That's not going to happen. We yeah. have a default reaction that we work to. So what I tell people when they're going through this healing process is, look, at, it's okay to make a mistake. Yeah. What we have to do is we have to hold on to, to our, our growth because because again, if, if we're like really proud one day and the next, you know, we're down because, oh my goodness, I, I can't believe I let that happen. But that happens to most everybody. You rarely see anybody who's 100% all the time, yeah, positive. And, and you see those people and it's great. I, you know, I wouldn't mind being those all the time. But most of us, we have up days, we have down days. But what helps us overcome those is just to be okay. In other words, it's all right that I messed up. It's not, yeah, I don't want to, but I'm, I'm trying to do the right thing. The fact that I messed up, now it's like, I can't believe I'm such an idiot. I was working so hard and I blew it. That just did more damage than you making the mistake in the first place. Mm -hmm. So when, when, we, when we realize, yes, we don't want to, let's plan, let's do something different so that we don't make that mistake. But when we do, I didn't do it on purpose. I didn't say, let me see, how could I really jack Nicole this time? And um, no, I didn't, I wasn't planning, I, I wasn't planning to, or to sabotage myself. Just be okay with it. Because again, being okay is that letting go process, is that putting it behind you that, that helps. Because again, my belief is that when somebody says to you, just let it go. Well, duh, don't you think if I knew how I would? Nobody wants to hang on to this crap and say, oh, I'm so happy being miserable in my own grossness. No, people are frustrated because they don't know how to let it go. And when you tell them, 
you just be okay with it. It's like, that's just too simple. That, 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 can't, that can't be. That's why I have to explain my story and tell them my process. It helps them sort of be able to work through their own where they can understand that, that okay, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm, I, the, the, the problem that, that I have with a lot of inspirational and motivational speakers is a guy climbed Mount Everest or done this or that. And it's great. I'm not saying that they're wrong and those stories aren't great, but most of us aren't like that. Believe me, if we all could play shortstop like Derek Jeter did, we wouldn't go pay up all that money to watch him. Nothing spectacular about it. There are those kinds of people. But the majority, like me, and I, and I don't want I, I to take any potential away from people, but look, I'm not going to quit my job and, and go get a career in pro wrestling and then parlay that into an acting career. I mean, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is phenomenal for doing that. But to take that as my motivation, that ain't going to happen at 60 years old. But, and again, if somebody, I, again, I don't want to take that away, anybody's efforts, but we got, we have to, we have to, so we have to be okay with who we are or where we are in this moment. And also at the same time, think, okay, what can I do to improve that so that it doesn't happen again? Mm-hmm. No, I hear you. I mean, we talk, we've probably mentioned that in like half the episodes we have, we've had so far about the process of habit formation. And I mean, mm-hmm. this is, you know, letting go of shame. It's changing a mental habit. And, you know, at first you are, um, you know, you're putting a lot of conscious thought into it. It's not very automatic, but you're highly motivated. So you stick to it really well in the beginning. And then, you know, after a while, the excitement wears off and you kind of start getting back into normal life. And then that's where the slip ups start happening. And just knowing that that's actually a step in habit formation, that you're not doing anything wrong. That's an expected part of the process is so important because you're right. There's no way uh, that most people are going to have an epiphany about shame influencing their life and then it never happens again. Right. Mm-hmm. And so for our listeners who are listening and they're saying, yes, I hear you, that's so important. What are some things that they can do to reflect on their own lives and to reflect on the role that shame might be playing so that they can pull something from what they're learning from you today and have an effect in their lives. You have your you have this. You're asking me these, these questions that that they're just so broad and general. It's, it's difficult to sort of cover it in a generality. What I did was I started writing on a, on a daily basis. Now, I, I would I would spend maybe five ten minutes writing things out during the day, sending to my therapist. I don't know if he ever read them or not. But that act of writing was helpful because mm-hmm. sitting, just sitting and contemplating over your, over what happened over your day, is is very helpful. And the difficulty I would have really in coming up with with more information is because when I, when I when I meet with clients, I try to find out what their situations are, what what caused it, what was the major cause? Was there a, was there a, a huge um, sort of you know abuse from the past? You know whether it's physical. Uh, sexual, uh, mental, it doesn't really matter. But I want to try to start that because that usually is something where, where where it'll, it'll spread. It'll start from some, some event and then it'll just get stronger and stronger because shame is one of those emotions that feeds on itself. The more shameful we feel about who we are, the stronger it becomes and the, and the more difficult it would be to sort of overcome it. So in some ways, that's another one of the difficulties because it feeds on, 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 on more shame. So, you know, to, to, to help people move forward at this point, it, it really would be helpful for me to know exactly where they're coming from because the part, the one part of shame that most people don't see is the arrogant side of it, that people are, why are they, why are some, why is somebody so arrogant? Why does somebody have to brag about how good they are? Because really, Confidence is something that you 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 hold you you have. It doesn't. Whatever somebody says about you isn't necessarily going to change that. But arrogance is. 
I don't really like who I am. So I'm going to shout so loudly and I'm going to be so convincing that everybody else is going to think I'm this great person who I'm saying I am, but really in, deep down deep inside, I'm not okay with who I am. And that kind of shame is really the most difficult part to see because you perceive others as, as, as seeing you as confident because they don't kind of understand the difference between arrogance and pride, which is another place that I'd like to touch on in, in a couple of minutes. So that, that's another difficulty thing. So what, what I would need to know from somebody is where they're coming from, what brought on this shame. There could even be a, 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 an event like my divorce brought on all this, you know, from the past. I had no idea that I was holding on to this part uh, of my life, not, none whatsoever. So, you know, really in order to move forward, it would, it would be difficult for me to give anybody advice without knowing a little bit more about that background. Hmm. Do, you, do you mind, Nicole, if I, if I go back to that arrogance and pride thing? Go for it. Yeah, please do. Elaborate on that. Thank you. This is another important thing. For me, there's a, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of distinctions, shame and guilt, now pride and arrogance. Then once we understand them, they make a lot more sense because people hear pride cometh before a fall. And I get what they're saying. But yet we can be proud of our kids. We can be proud of our friends. Well, why, isn't, why, don't that, why doesn't that fall come when we're proud of them? And I think really what that expression is trying to say is arrogance more than pride. It's we're, we're arrogant to the point where we're bragging, we're conceited, where it's all about us, which again is because we don't want people to perceive how we really believe about ourselves. Where pride is a confidence, it's, it's, a, it's a belief, it's, an, it's a, it's an, I don't want to say unshakable, because it does get shaken at times, but down deep inside, we understand that we're, we feel this way, not because we think we're the best or better than somebody else, but because we have a lot of, of belief in our own courage and strength. So, that, so, so arrogance is, that's, I, I wish we would, we would change that slogan to arrogance comes before fall, because pr pride a lot of times is good. Well, where's, where, you know, when somebody said, be proud of yourself. No, you should never be proud. Well, where is that distinction? And that's what I, that's when, when pride reaches the point of self-importance, of, of covering up our inadequacies, now we've, we've crossed that line over to arrogance. And yes, that's what we're, that's where we need to deal with it and make the distinction. Man, I totally agree with that so much. And it reminds me of, uh, I'm a big Greek mythology buff nerd. And uh, the, it's kind of, in, in my eyes, I see it almost in kind of like a, the pride being the Goldilocks zone. And on the low end, once you get below pride, it feels more like that arrogance where you actually aren't proud on the inside, but you're trying to project that that you know, expression. And then you have actual pride, which within pride, I, in my opinion, there's an equal balance of humility, you know, mm -hmm. until you get past that point of pride, which then turns back into arrogance, or I would, I would say a great word in the Greek mythology sense would be hubris or excessive self-confidence, excessive pride, also a synonym to arrogance, but more in the sense of there's, there's not actually a presence of shame. It's almost a loss of the, the, the stability that comes from the humility of pride that, keep, yeah. you know, hungry, but humble. You're always leading from the back first in last out, you know, like when you lose that and it becomes about you and not, you know, you can still have hubris with a team, you know, and everybody have that cockiness to them, but, it really is that shift, like you're saying, where it goes back to a point where it's not, there's not a, a deep-rooted uh, authenticity in the, the good feeling associated with whatever actor skill you're proud about. Yeah, I think that humility was a, was a really good word to add, John. Thank you for that. Because that, that, it, that is important to remember, and I, and I, you know, because I don't think anybody could argue the fact that well, you know, if pride mixed with humility is going to is going to bring a downfall, and and that's again that's what's important. It there, there's so much balance in all of our lives because you know when you think about what's the most important thing is 
you know, what the, the important part of that is making sure that I'm happy. Yet what brings most people happiness is helping others. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's that, that funny balance is, okay, I got I to self-care. I got to think about myself. But in the end, when, by helping others, a lot of times we, we get more happiness. We get more satisfaction and learn a lot more. So that's, it, it's, it's important. And that's, that's, again, another reason why we should constantly examine ourselves and become a better version. You know, what, what, what I'm trying to do, simple little thing. This is my next step in personal growth. Just not get so pissed off when I'm driving. <laughs> Somebody cuts in front of me or makes a dumb move or the light's green and, and honk my, you know, and, and yeah. say things that, that, come on, John, the person made a mistake. Why are you so quick to judge them when, you know, you've done this, you've done the same things. And so just that little bit of, of peace and tranquility, I'm trying to work on it. And I'll talk to myself, John, you know what? That was really stupid. You shouldn't, you shouldn't yell stuff like that. And I, again, it's not because I'm a bad person. It's like, you know, better than that. Don't let your anger or your emotion or the fact that you're late, you should have left five minutes earlier, cause you to become that, that kind of a person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can totally relate to the traffic thing, man. I started using audiobooks and uh, or down. I have YouTube Red, so I download videos offline, so I don't need Wi-Fi. And I can listen to presentations or whatever, you know. And so that's because of that. I lived in the Seattle area, and so traffic is a nightmare over there. And driving from Bellevue through Tacoma, there's like a couple spots where it was just like asinine. But if I had the audiobook, I could maintain my thread of attention on the knowledge. And then when I got in those circumstances where it was a delay of time, I'm like, Oh, just more time to read my book. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm just getting more knowledge in my brain. So it like helps di- distract me from that. But man, that's so true. It's just every time we lose that thread of positive attention, it's like, we got to come back into alignment with that, that, you know, good feeling. And yeah, man, every, it's so funny. The universe like will give you a test on something that you judge somebody about you know usually for me it's pretty immediate where like i'll be like that person didn't use their blinker and then like later that day or something i'll not use my blinker and i'll be like oh shit i just did what i was mad at somebody (laughs) else for and i'm like okay you know you get that little like hey cut some people some slack you know right yeah now i hear you Yeah, you're in it's New like, York. Like, well, yeah, New York. It's like, it's like, how dare that person slow down when I can't get to the red light fast enough? You know? It's- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like a constant gridlock. But I don't even have a car anymore. I just take public transportation. So yeah. Now it's like you know I'm stuck on a stuck on a train with a uh, you know lots of uh, lovely metal on metal sounds uh, <laughs> trying to meditate. <laughs> <laughs> and run a business <laughs> and run a, yes yes um as some of you know that was weird um as some of you know i run my business largely from new york city's a train so <laughs> <laughs> yeah so john tell us a little bit about where you are today so you've gone through this journey and you've uh you know, you went through this healing process. Um, where, where are you today? Would you say you're completely healed? Is it an ongoing journey? Where have you come? Uh, what kind of, you know, you've told us a little bit about the work you're doing, but how is that uh, growing with time? For me, I feel like healing will be a never-ending process. I'll continue to heal to the day uh, that I die. In terms of shame, I still feel that that also is and is another something that I constantly deal with. The part you, you think, hey, you know, you're the shame doctor, so have you healed all your shame? The answer is simply no. And it's okay. I'll tell anybody I still deal with shame on a regular basis. And it's not something that bothers me or disturbs me. I just want you I just want people to know that it's not it, it's not it's not it's not a handcuffing, it's not stifling um, like it like it used to be. And even I think when people come to me and they know that I'm still dealing with it, that helps them understand. Oh wow, okay. It, it's not that I can't overcome it, but it's just something that we deal with. It's it's almost like though you would have 
cut on your skin that would create a large scar and you'll have that scar for the rest of your, of your life. You'll, you'll deal with it. It doesn't stop you from living. And in some ways it may not even hinder you what you do, but it's just, it's just there. So I, I, I feel like it's one of those processes. Now, the other thing is I think we, we heal, we, we go through healing and then we grow. And then that growth shows us other areas that may need to be healed and then we grow from those. So it's sort of a sort of a continuous process, and at some point they're sort of intermingled. We sort of heal and grow all at the same time. But for me, that doesn't it doesn't matter what you call it. What you know, progress is good, whether it's healing, growth, or combination of both. That's something that again I I try to work on on a daily basis, and uh, as long as I have my mental faculties, I'll continue to do that. So how has your life changed? You know, we get rid of this emotion inside. How does that affect everything? Well, again, not get rid of it, but as we work on healing from it, how does that affect everything else in your life, at least in your story? And then maybe a couple examples of how you see it in others. Okay. I, I'm laughing in here. This is a perfect example of shame uh, because I was about ready to say, well, what has happened, it's made me more, um, more obnoxious about talking about shame. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not embarrassed at all about, do, about talking uh, about it. So I, um, I will talk to, I, I have a day job. I won't talk about what I do, and it's a sales. But I remember a couple of times talking to people, sitting there waiting, and tell them about my book or something. And I get talking about this whole conversation of healing and shame. And it doesn't bother me. I, I used to think as a kid, I, I, I belonged to an organization that was rather religious. And, and, but we never had to go knocking on door to door like other religions do and proselytizing. I remember thinking so much, wow, I'm so glad I never had to do that. But I literally could walk door to door knocking on the door and telling people about about my situation, my growth, and my journey, but I don't because I know it's obnoxious. <laughs> people, you you interrupted my breakfast to tell me this, and I don't want to turn people off because I you can see I get really passionate and really zealous. And there have been times when I have been too strong to let me help you, and people are like, why do you think I need help? And 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 they're gone. So so my my goal now is to sort of temper that so it doesn't. So I don't come off as arrogant or, hey, I know how to fix your life. Because you, you have an experience that really moves and really changes you. And it's natural for me to want everybody to have the same thing. Well, what we don't realize is that they're not going to experience it with the same sort of passion that I have. And that's okay. I I, want, I would love if everybody was passionate about something the way I am about helping people with shame. That's great. Will that happen? I don't know. But my job is to, is to put people in a place where they can. Sometimes people get stuck and they don't know why. Well, I believe they do know why. They just don't want to look at the reason because it hurts. Self-growth, another, another kind of guttural expression of mine is sometimes self-growth sucks. <laughs> Because it hurts. It points something at you. You know what you've been doing wrong for 20 years, John? It's not great. I don't wake up in the morning and go, man, I can't wait to find out what about my life sucks today. No. <laughs> I don't like confrontation. I try to avoid it. And it's the same thing even with my personal growth. But I know it's important. So I, I'm, I'm aware of it. I, I, I keep it open. So it's one of those things that I do on a daily basis. But I don't want to get to the point where, where I feel like, in a sense, I'm a, I'm a shame Nazi where I know all you need to listen to me if you want to get fixed, because that's how it'll appear if I'm not, if I don't sort of temper myself, present the issue and let it see how it, it hits that person. If they want to find out more, if they would like a few sessions, great. If they don't, great. I, it's not up to me. You know, I'm, I'm not the dic I'm not the shame dictator, the, the, the person that has to do that. It, it has to be about something that a need that people see individually, I'm hoping to shed a brighter light so that more people see. I hear you. Reminds okay. me of uh, the, the wounded healer 
parable, you know, like we as practitioners, like even the word practitioner, you know, to practice on oneself and others, but on oneself primarily first, you know, and you do that through the experiences that life gives you. And then you have the opportunity to learn. If you don't learn that lesson, you get another chance the next day, or, you know, you're going to keep trying to learn that lesson, but we're always learning, you know, like we're using our experiences of our wounds and our past and our traumas to help, you know, save people time and or suffering in the process of, you know, finding their own answer. But ultimately, like you said, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. You don't need to teach. Your students will come to you. Yes. Absolutely. So, John Dunia, tell us how we can connect with you, where we can find you, how we can learn more, and, of course, where we can get your book. Yeah, yeah. Which I've read, and it's fantastic, by the way. Thank you, Nicole. I have a listing on the Holistic Therapies directory. It is under, I think you can either Google my name or Shame Doctor, and it'll show up. Um, <clears throat> there you can reach me uh, via email. I don't have a website set up. I'm working on it, and soon it, it will be shamedoctor.com. That's the website that I'm working on. It's not quite there. Um, and I would be happy to do uh, sessions virtually. You don't need to come in person. What, what's important for me is, is to actually see the person and hear their voice because I, I've been, I, I really feel that this is a gift. In fact, my therapist has confirmed. He says, you know, John, you're really gifted at helping people with this. And, and I've done it via phone. I've even done it just through sending messages uh, via the computer. But the, when I can see people's faces and their reactions and hear their voice and the inflections, it helps me get a better idea um, what to say or do to how to help. And I just want to tell you one thing that I know it's a gift and I, and I treasure that gift. And I, I, I tell myself all the time, if it ever becomes more about me than what I do, I feel like the universe is going to go, okay, you're done. It's gone. But mm -hmm. I'll start talking to people and they'll still tell me something. And I'm like, Oh my God, what am I supposed to tell them? I have no clue. So I just listen and something, you know, there's an idea that comes to my head and I ask, and I ask, and I'll start asking these questions and two minutes later, I'm like, wow, where'd that come from? I, it, I, <laughs> they come, they, that's why I feel like the universe sort of just plops them in my brain because I, wow, how did I think of that? So it, but a lot of, again, a lot of times that it happens when I'm able to see the person and, and hear their voice, hear the inflections in their voice. So Back to the original question, Nicole, uh, I'm, I, I'm the best ways to find me on Holistic Therapy Directory. You can also email me at john at shamedoctor.com. And my book right now is available on Amazon. They might be out of stock. I had my guys send more to them. But you can also, if you're in the U.S., you can go to shameonme.net, which is the name, the first part of the book, shameonme.net. And there's a little button you can click on there. I'm still working on that site. It's not the greatest, but at least you could purchase the book. Um, I send those out. So I'll personally write a hand, um, a hand note and sign it and, and send that copy to you. Like cool. I say, if you're not in anywhere where the U.S. Postal Service systems will handle you, then I'm hoping they'll be more available on Amazon uh, very soon. Oh, and uh, also on Facebook, I have a page called Victorious Struggle. Award. Victoria struggle two S's in the center. I actually started that because I wanted to promote my book way back when I, when I wrote it. So that's why it had that name rather than, than the shame on me, which is the title of the book. But I, I, that's where I post my weekly articles there. I also post them on WordPress. Um, there will be a link for that, right, Nicole? Cause it's a, yeah, these link. links are all going to be in the show notes to everyone listening. Um, and I mean, I share, if you follow my page, you've seen John's articles because I share them out all the time and they're absolutely fantastic. So I highly suggest that, um, that you go and you follow Victoria's struggles or for those of you who are already following me, just look down my feed and you'll find one <laughs> because they're never too far down. And interestingly enough, this week's what I'm posting tomorrow on uh, Sunday, is is actually about shame it's the first in a series so i'm hoping that after i culminate the fourth one will be my website will be up and it's a, it'll sort of be the unveiling of everything uh 
and, and I'll get going full speed because again, I, I write post articles every Sunday at 8 a.m. Pacific time. And then I work with, I, I also work with people individually and I'm also looking to, to speak to groups. And my goal is to actually travel the world um, telling people about shame and how we can heal from all of its difficulties. That's great. So those of you listening in Europe, in Asia, in Africa, all around the world, uh, if this is resonating with you, definitely email John at shamedoctor.net. Is that .com? Is that right? John at shamedoctor.com and invite him to come speak at one of your functions. Uh, You will not regret it. I guarantee that. Uh, I've had the pleasure of spending time with John in person and He is absolutely fantastic and the type of guy you can just go on and on having these in-depth conversations, these engaging conversations with. So uh, definitely reach out, definitely follow him and uh, look look up his page on the Holistic Therapies directory, of course. Um, Of course, we have to, we have to, uh, you know, mention that those of you listening who are looking for a practitioner or are practitioners, make sure you head to holistictherapiesdirectory.com to uh, put your profile up if you'd like to share what you do with the world or to find a practitioner in your area or online who can help you with anything from fitness training to nutrition coaching to functional medicine to acupuncture to Reiki to spiritual healing, anything you can imagine you'll find somebody on the holistic therapies directory. So make sure you head there as well. John, I, I, I just, I'm sorry, Nicole. I just wanted to, I just wanted to uh, reiterate. Um, Jock has been extremely helpful. I, I, I can't imagine what the, the amount, what I paid somebody so willing to help me. And oftentimes is the one who is saying, Hey, any, any new updates? Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're wondering about that, I've, I've never had an experience where somebody has been so anxious and willing to help. Yeah, and I can second that. I mean, Jock has gone above, Jock Broke, as we're talking about, the founder of the Holistic Therapies Directory, has gone above and beyond, you know, to help me grow my business, to help me learn more about marketing. I, I've never seen somebody, I've never come across somebody so passionate about using his skills in, you know, marketing and in technology to uh, to really help people who are making a positive change in the world. And I mean, I admire Jock a lot. Yeah. So um, John Dunia, thank you so much for coming on and joining us on optimizing human potential, mind, body, and soul brought to you by the holistic therapies directory. And we look forward to more engaging conversations with you in the future. All right, Nicole, John, thank you very much. It was, it was a pleasure and it was really fun. Absolutely. John, really appreciate your time, man. Thanks for all the knowledge. Thank you, everyone. Remember to like and subscribe, and we will see you next time here on Optimizing Human Potential. Take care. Woo!